We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. show i'm chase parm and speaking with gerard gibbard he is the uh, ceo and founder of venture technologies here in the state of mississippi he uh, ran that company from 1986 to selling it in 2019 and now uh one of the uh, the people associated with amazon web services bringing a data center to madison county in central mississippi Gerard is on the Madison County Economic Development Association. He's a board member on that. And uh, he joins us today to talk about this uh, Amazon project. Amazon already has a relationship with the state of Mississippi, but this expands it with a $10 billion project, one that's supposed to bring in at least 1,000 jobs into the state of Mississippi. So we talk about what a data center is, what it's going to do for the state, and the different economic development impacts that come with this project that uh, will begin to be up sometime next year. And then uh, in the years in the future as well here with uh, the state of Mississippi and Amazon. So uh, Gerard joining us for that toward the end of the show. We're also going to talk about a couple other things going on, including uh, mobile sports betting. He's got some thoughts on that moving through the house and being a possibility for Mississippians inside the uh, the state of Mississippi's footprint beyond what is now just simply at the uh, brick and mortar casinos. So all that and more here on the show. Um, known Gerard for a long time friend of mine and somebody who can educate you on what's going on here with Amazon and break down what it means for Mississippians. So now let's get on with the show. Here is Gerard Gibbert. Gerard Gibbert now joining us. Gerard, always good to talk to you. I uh, I was looking through, reading the press releases. It heard a little bit about the uh, Amazon Web Services coming to the Jackson area, to Madison, to uh, to Mississippi as a whole, and thought no better guy to talk to than you about those things. I'm, I'm going to get that in a second, but I, I'd ask you about your radio show right before we started the uh, the the podcast. How's that been going? And what's it been like to? You're you're kind of a part of the media now, Gerard. I mean, you probably ten years ago didn't think, hey, I'm I'm going to be a radio guy. No, Chase. Uh, first, appreciate you having me. Enjoyed uh, enjoyed the visit. Um, I really wasn't looking to become a member of the media and to launch a new career in radio. It just it just kind of um, stars sort of aligned to work that out. Of course, uh, JT Williamson, the longtime host of the 10 to 1 uh, show at Super Talk Mississippi Statewide, did a fantastic job. And unfortunately, JT 
became ill and was unable to continue with those duties. And I was asked to come in and try my hand at, at uh, filling in as a guest host. I'd been a guest many times on, on both the statewide shows, but not a host. And just one thing led to another. And so it's kind of hard to believe, but it, uh, the month of January marks three years I've been doing this five days a week uh, full time. Uh, but certainly never saw my future. <laughs> what is it that's appealing to you? I would assume, and you're a pretty curious, inquisitive person, an eye for the news, for politics, different things. I mean, what is it that really sticks to make that an interest for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I'll tell you that the the, uh, the first thing that excited me about it, it was that it provided an opportunity to continue to exercise my noggin. That, uh, you know, I was so accustomed to just consuming new information every day and uh, both business, financial, and of course, technology and industry related, being in the technology business for over three decades. And I, I, I miss that. I miss that just consumption of information and acting on it. Uh, I've always had, uh, I guess, the last 15, 20 years, a pretty strong interest in politics and, and uh, like to keep up with that as well. And, and this uh, affords me the opportunity to offer my opinion. I, I will tell you that when I first started doing this, I was hesitant to offer my opinion, a little, little uh, skeptical of that and, and concerned about it. And management here said, Gerard, you got to offer your opinion. People tune in, they want to hear your opinion. I said, okay, if you're sure, that's okay. So I guess one thing led to another. And, uh, and, and so it provides that opportunity to kind of stay current. And, and uh, I consume a ton of information on a daily basis and filter that down to what I want to discuss on the show. And, of course, you have one to two guests every day that range from our our Washington delegation to our governor and members of our legislature and folks involved in our communities, involved with various causes and associations. And and uh, we do a lot of remotes as well, as you're well aware, including one in Oxford we did for the high school there last year. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been fun. You know, I don't know if it's the the the, um, the last stop on their career tree, but right now I'm, I'm having fun with it. And um, the audience seems to have received it well. It's big shoes to fill with the passing of uh, the great J.T. Williamson. But right now I, I seem, I feel like I'm settled in. It's been a lot of fun. I just keep on doing it. So the news of the month uh, for maybe the year, whatever you want to call this, $10 billion project coming to uh, Mississippi from, again, Amazon Web Services. I, I want to start here, and it's, it's why I first thought of you with your uh, obviously excellent history with Venture Technologies for all those years. They started in 1986. What yep. is a data center, Gerard? Yeah, that's a, that is a good question. And uh, the, the answer to that, Chase, is that uh, the the purpose and the mission and the services provided by data centers has evolved substantially over the last 20 years. Uh, and we, we first got to distinguish between a commercial data center, which is what AWS is and these data centers are, meaning they provide services to third parties. Sure. So that's different than a data center that would be owned, operated uh, for the service of a company. A company would have its own data center where it would house all of its IT infrastructure, its software, and so forth. Um, and so, really, when you think about modern day data centers, you're you're talking about uh, physical facilities that house uh, lots of IT equipment and software. IT infrastructure is what we call it. Um, and and nowadays, uh, over the last ten years, 
new technology has evolved that allows the virtualization of those old assets, if you will. And all that really means is that the, the physical footprint of a device is, is kind of extracted from the, the, the logical view of it. So what that really means to the end user is you're sharing these resources rather than them being dedicated to you, which was the old technology, the old architecture. You're just connecting and sharing and all of these resources are, are combined and housed and pooled in these data centers, which are very what we call hardened environments, which means that they're, they're um, built to specifications and to standards that are designed to not only physically secure all of that equipment and, and where the environment is conditioned, the, the air, the atmosphere literally is conditioned um, for the express purpose of, of housing all this data equipment, but also you've got um, cybersecurity as well. So there's, there's a lot of uh, protections and defenses that must be implemented to secure from a digital perspective all of that hardware, all of that software. And it's all installed in, in, in standard nine-foot racks that hold up to 32 U's. U stands for unit. Can't remember the exact dimensions of that, but it's the height of all that equipment. And some equipment is multiple U's, some equipment is one U. But it's generally the standard is nine feet, 32 racks. Um, all that equipment gets gets um, physically installed in those racks to to a standard uh, size and, and footprint. Uh, and then you've got cables, obviously, in, usually in the rear of those racks that connect all that equipment into the network that services the data center and to other equipment and storage devices and and um, uh, just a high-tech sort of in- infrastructure, all connected on the backbones and the gigantic complex and network that services those data centers. And then you got the external connectivity, right? So in the case of an AWS, um, they deliver their services through the internet. And so there's just a, an unbelievable amount of fiber optics that comes into these into these facilities that connects um, all that equipment, all that software to the outside world via the internet. It's, it's um, you can imagine that's a massive deal. So anybody that's on their phones today, that's tapping around on their applications, Rest assured that some of those applications are stored in Amazon's cloud, or at least the data is, um, because they're a, a major provider of those sorts of cloud services really across the globe uh, to the public and to companies that service the public. And, and to very large websites people wouldn't be aware of. I know like even Rivals and Yahoo uses a lot of Amazon Web Services yeah. for their hosting. Like if we... If we have some site malfunctions, a lot of times that's an AWS issue that a lot that happens and creates some type of environment there. Uh, there with that, I, I, I guess in in layman's terms, that that an idiot like me that can understand Amazon needs these new places, these new centers, because as they grow and take on more, they simply have to have more space to handle that information. I mean, in, in layman, that is exactly right. So um, it, it's a combination of of, of provisioning. Uh, new categories of cloud services, new solutions. So if you were to go right now, Chase, to Amazon's website and drill down to the section that um, uh, presents Amazon Web Services, you'll see a fairly extensive portfolio of services that are sort of tailored for um, different what we call IT workloads. So, for example, you may have something that's tailored specifically for retail. Hosting resale applications, as an example. Most of us are accustomed to that. You may have services 
that are targeted software developers. So they've got certain infrastructure that's kind of purpose-built and designed and tailored for accommodating what software developers would need to write software, to code software. Um, you may have uh, services for specifically for artificial intelligence, both development of artificial intelligence application and hosting of AI-based applications as well. And then you may have some like uh, those you described specifically designed around hosting websites and powering websites. So if you look at that um, very comprehensive portfolio, uh, that's what you'll see on AWS's website under the descriptions of each one of those sort of targeted, very specialized solutions. Now, that's what's changed, honestly, in the last 20 years. 20 years ago, it's like, hey, we got some equipment here. If you want to stick your website on it to get it to off the web, this is who you got a contract with to do that. But that's evolved into really a sophisticated portfolio of sort of purpose-built cloud services. So what Amazon's doing here is that you're exactly right. They need more horsepower. They need more compute. They need more storage. You need more connectivity. Everybody can't connect to the same place. You can see what what kind of contention that would cause from a connectivity perspective. And then a lot of times, um, even those who who um, engage Amazon to like host their applications and their website, a lot of times they'll do that across multiple Amazon data centers, so that they're not relying on just that one implementation, that one instance is what we call it of that environment. So that if it fails they're down. It just fails over. So that's what they're doing here. It's my understanding that that uh, these facilities, these two campuses here in central Mississippi and Madison County are going to be focused heavily on artificial intelligence. You know, that's an incredibly exposed, explosive, evolving world. Amazon's a big player in that. Microsoft's a big player in that as well. Google, Apple, I mean, the plethora of all the household IT names, they're all investing heavily and artificial intelligence because their customers are demanding it. So that's what, so the thing to keep in mind here, these are data centers to uh, to service Amazon. They're data centers to service Amazon's customers. Right. So, and it's not the first foray with Amazon in Mississippi, whether it be robotics and different things. I mean, help me out a little bit. What has been the timeline or the origin with Amazon being interested in Mississippi? When did that begin and how kind of, how did we get here? Yes, that's, that's a great question. So Amazon, uh, of course, they have two primary lines of business that most people are familiar with the, the Amazon e-commerce business. You know, it, when I'm out doing uh, speaking engagements, uh, I have some discussion. I talk about Amazon and, and uh, go through kind of their financial model. And, and I, I often start by asking anybody in the room, uh, or asking the room, I should say, how many of you actually use uh, Amazon on your phone to buy stuff? Of course, everybody does. I mean, that's a rhetorical yeah, yeah. question. Who does it? And and what that leads me to discuss is they have two primary uh, business lines. That's their e-commerce business. And then they have Amazon Web Services. Well, a lot of folks are surprised to find out that uh, the company is about a $550 billion top line global revenues company, of which about 90 to $100 billion is Amazon Web Services. So that other $450 billion is all that stuff we buy online online from uh, Amazon's uh, e-commerce business. Last year, in fiscal year 2022, they lost $8 billion in the e-commerce business. They don't make money in the e-commerce business. Wow. Profit is generated by Amazon Web Services. Now, that's not uh, a permanent plan, obviously. Uh, I believe that a lot of what they built in that unbelievable world-class 
uh, distribution capability, if you will. I mean, from from the maker all the way to the consumer, and they sit with that. They're going to leverage that eventually for something else. If you ever listen to Jeff Bezos talk about his vision, that's really what the strategy is. But Amazon Web Services generates all the company's profit, believe it or not. So in Mississippi, we have fulfillment centers. And I can't remember, Chase, we have two or three. No, we have one in North Mississippi. And, of course, we have one that's about a year old at the mega site in Madison County, which is the same location they selected for this data center project. So it's 700,000 square foot mega site that uh, uh, Makita, the board that I serve on, worked with them on to bring that to central Mississippi. And, of course, anybody that keeps up with Amazon knows their their ultimate goal is to, is to position these fulfillment centers as close as possible to their customers with the goal of, of actually um, being able to deliver the same day you order. Right. And, and the box is, if you notice the packages, they'll actually um, – have on the label their code uh, name for their facilities and by the way they use the closest airport and a number so everything that comes out of, of madison county has jan for the jackson international airport one because it's their first fulfillment center that's that's in proximity to the jackson airport so we already had a relationship with amazon and, and i will tell you that that process went very favorably uh, from their perspective, they were very pleased with uh, their experience with with the local Mass County Economic Development Authority, with the state, with Mississippi Development Authority. All that went very, very well. And uh, well, before we even had that facility, about five years ago at Makita, we started, um, of course, in a, on a confidential basis, as you can imagine, just having discussions with them about the mega site about being a, a, a possible uh, location to um, uh, place some sort of Amazon Web Services installation. It took about five years to work through that. A critical, pivotal part of this, and I can't, I can't overemphasize this, was Intergy's willingness and ability to prove to Amazon, to work with Amazon. It literally was Amazon's engineers that do all this data center planning and design, and Intergy's uh, engineers that determine what kind of energy they can they can supply when that got worked out is is really was was kind of the springboard continuing negotiations to figure out how uh we could land this big project and energy was was key in this deal so two sites one at the mega site one in south madison county total of about 1700 acres that uh that will house the buildings that will comprise this aws uh, installation we expect 10 to 12 buildings per site so it's not one big like you would expect in a factory or a distribution facility or a fulfillment center it's not one building it based on their design standards it's multiple buildings each of which will have all this it infrastructure installed in it. this podcast is brought to you by better help a common misconception about relationships is they have to be easy to be right. Sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a great place to work through the challenges and face in all of your relationships, whether it's with friends, work with significant others, or really anyone. When you put that work in, great things can happen in those relationships. 
BetterHelp is a an awesome way to do that because you know maybe you talk to people who have preconceived notions, family members, they're emotional about topics. This is somebody just for you. They can help you if you don't like who it is. You can switch providers. You can find somebody else. You can do all these different things with BetterHelp to get the help you need. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Design can be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And again, switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com MPW today. To get 10% off your first month, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash M-P-W. You kind of intimated that Amazon has been pleased with their side of the relationship with Mississippi. What, uh, I, I guess, what has made Mississippi so advantageous to Amazon, in your opinion? You know, and, and, and it may sound like I'm oversimplifying it here, Chase, but I'm not, having been in the... Um, Honestly, the sales business, I mean, even though what the work we did and the solutions we offered were, were quite sophisticated and high tech, there's no substitute. And you know this just from being a business. There's no substitute just for high quality human interaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just this beneficial to both sides, but most importantly, essential to um, uh, a high quality service delivery, even pre-sales or you've landed anything. It's just being responsive. It's taking care of what you've been asked to take care of on a timely basis and hitting the mark and not leaving anything to the imagination. So everything that they requested from the teams here across the uh, the gambit of all those who work with, we just responded on a timely basis with the information they wanted. And then they moved to the next hurdle and we'd address that. That was critical, critical. We also have uh, an environment where we're not burdened with onerous regulations that you mm-hmm. that they want to. As you can imagine, on a project of this magnitude, and that's also critical for Intergy and their ability to work within our regulatory framework to make the investments, which are expected to be about $2 billion, to generate this additional power. So uh, we have a favorable business and regulatory climate here in Mississippi. We had people that understood what a big deal this is uh, to the state. And uh, and we just all pitched in to respond and make sure they got everything they needed on a timely basis. And that feedback has been positive from them on, on how we handled that. So it's a win-win. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
obviously they had to put these somewhere and you are competing no matter if it was tangible and direct. But I mean, did you feel like there were other places that were competing for this exact same time frame? And what do you guys know about that as it plays? Yeah, we know that we know that to be a fact. And Mm -hmm. uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, Again, I can't overemphasize how important speed to market was. And, And in fact, the governor actually used that phrase. When he made the announcement, speed to market, speed to market, it is critical. So if you think from their perspective, every day that goes by that they're not operating these facilities is a day they're not generating revenue from it, right? So how quickly can they get this thing done? When they came, when they looked at the mega site, well, we kind of proposed that to them as a place to uh, uh, for, for them to build these facilities. They already had such a great experience with the fulfillment center and the, uh, the Makita board and the, and the board of supervisors of Madison County, we made a conscious decision to really develop this site to make it look like you're ready to put a shovel in the ground today and get and get off to the races. And so we cleared it. We grubbed it. We, we, uh, we invested in, in uh, rerouting some of the flow of water and making sure we had good drainage. I mean, so when you look at this site, Chase, you see that Man, this thing is ready to go. I can tell you, I attended the uh, the the grand opening ceremonies of the fulfillment center that's at the mega. And before we got going, of course, we got all the state dignitaries there as well, and the Amazon uh, executives. But I happen to be standing next to the Amazon executive that's in charge of site selection, and he shared this with me. So we were just overlooking the mega site. Our backs turned to the fulfillment center, which actually sits on kind of a corner. So you're looking out of this expanse of 700 acres. And I and I asked him, I said, what do you think about the site here? I'm just curious. I want to get his reaction. He said, Mr. Gilbert, I've been to a lot of these, as you can imagine. This is the best one I've ever been to. He said that about a site in the state of Mississippi. I mean, I can't tell you on the cloud nine that put me on that day, like, man, we're doing something right and good here. And I really do feel like that was, was critical as well in AWS's decision to uh to invest in mississippi and locate the site here so that was also something else chase to your point about why mississippi uh we are blessed with uh our footprint uh, or i guess i should say our geographic location in central mississippi and that we sit between um north and south chicago and new orleans and everything that that uh, is adjacent to the river on the way as you know and then from an east and west big metropolises of Atlanta to the east and Dallas, Fort Worth uh, to the west, both of, both of which are growing by leaps and bounds. And so fiber through the years has been installed anticipating um, the need for more capacity to move data around. And we sit where our fiber traverses central Mississippi area and actually crosses east, west, north, south. Mm-hmm. So there's what's called dark fiber. It's just cable in the ground ready for someone to access and terminate electronics on and light up and actually use. And that was also a big part uh, of the equation here as well. So for a lot of people in the area, this is the part they're, they're curious about is economic impact, jobs, that kind of thing. I think I'm seeing a thousand-ish jobs for this thing. And you're talking about a building this housing units. So what are the jobs? How does this work from an actual uh, manpower standpoint? Yeah, and and uh, it's, it's a great point. It's a great question. And I'll, I guess I'll start by saying I have... Uh, I've been disappointed, I guess, is a fair way to put it, and seeing a, a, a lot of folks uh, share concerns about, hey, the number of jobs really isn't going to be 
what they said it's going to be. And, and uh, because I'm familiar with other data centers that don't have that many people on staff and, and that they're really um, not being totally forthcoming about that. Well, a couple of things. Uh, one is this isn't a factory. This isn't a distribution facility that requires lots of labor. Even as much as we've automated those facilities, like the fulfillment center, for example, which is 700,000 square feet, Amazon told us they were going to hire about a 1,200 people. It's approaching 3,000 now, just to let people know. So um, now, even as automated, if you've ever seen the robotics they have in these fulfillment centers, it is amazing. Nothing short of that. With respect to AWS and data centers, it's absolutely true that they don't have the same sort of labor, on-site labor requirement that a distribution facility or a, or a factory does. And I, and I use those as examples because most of the economic development projects that have come to the state that most people are familiar with, that's what they've been. They've been, they've been distribution facilities, manufacturers, the car industry, the automobile industry in particular. So you don't need as many people in data centers. That's absolutely true. Um, but you do need, um, you do need file architects. You need network engineers. Uh, you need um, provisioning engineers activation engineers i mean it, it's a it's a uh, kind of a wide spectrum of, of high tech uh sorts of jobs project managers now do they all have to be on site no but a lot of them do and the other thing is you'd be surprised at how much just physical activity there is these things aren't static in in fact it wouldn't surprise me if amazon doesn't invest several hundred million dollars each year refreshing and upgrading the IT in these facilities. I mean, it's that big. And so somebody's got to install, configure uh, all that stuff and and get it ready for production and then physically install it, connect it up, test it. There's a lot of work. Uh, most big-scale data centers like this also have a full-time staff of electricians. Electricians, not IT people. People that just have to deal with a constant changes and deletes and additions of just electrical connections to accommodate all this equipment that needs electricity to run. You'll have HVAC engineers, technicians, all over the place, dealing with that, as you can imagine. Uh, so there's a lot of personnel that are going to be required. They have committed uh, to a uh, thousand, and in fact, um, their, their incentives from the state are based on their capital investment. That's usually the way these packages are, are structured. It's it's the capital investment, the number of jobs, and the average pay of those jobs. Um, they've they've committed to a thousand at an average pay of seventy k. I actually believe, just knowing something about that industry, the average pay will be considerably higher than that. I couldn't hire anybody for that price. You know, even entry. Um, you got virtualization engineers, cybersecurity engineers, storage. All, all of these various IT disciplines, they're highly specialized. And most of the time, someone that works like on server environments, they don't work on storage. They don't work on cybersecurity and vice versa. But everything in the world, as you well know, is highly specialized. And that certainly applies here. Um, if, if they fall short of that, well, then there's some clawback in the incentives. I think they'll achieve it. But even if they don't, from an economic per, uh, impact perspective, my gosh, this is a $10 billion investment. Just the ad valorem taxes that this thing will generate is massive, massive. The other thing that typically happens, Chase, in, 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 um, in these data center um, investments, 
they tend to serve as a hub for um, related industries and business, not suppliers like you have in a manufacturing facility, for example, but software developers, um, uh, other IT industries that kind of like to congregate around um, these campuses. That's what happened at Research Triangle up in Charlotte. It's what's happened in that corridor between Austin and San Antonio. I fully expect that's going to actually happen here in Mississippi as well. So timeline-wise, what do we look like? What is this thing? How does it play out as we go from here? Yeah, they're telling us uh, uh, that they'll have some services online as early as, as late 25, uh, but I think 27 is uh, kind of a more reasonable time frame uh, that we'll see most of, most of this built out, uh, this equipment brought in and installed. As you can imagine, it's a, it's a monumental construction project, and, and I think we'll see... Um, may see an out-of-state prime contractor that has the specialized expertise for this kind of work and, and experience with that and, and, and just the, the, um, uh, the size and scale to take on something like this. But, man, the amount they're going to subcontract um, in the state of Mississippi. I started thinking about it and wondered if we even have enough electricians and HVAC engineers and techs in the old dang state just to do this oh, project. Awesome. I mean, when you, when you look at compressing what's got to happen uh, in that in that area in such a short period of time. So um, I, I think it's awesome. And I'll tell you this, from an employment perspective, the IT staff that'll be uh, uh, on site here probably won't have anybody over 35. Okay. I mean, it's just, yeah, there are not many folks over that age that anymore that are kind of in that. I mean, now we're starting to age out somewhat. But I'd be shocked, honestly. I mean, I, I would say this at my company. I lost a couple of top-notch cloud architects uh, to AWS. They went and moved to Seattle at uh, to Amazon's the headquarters, where all where all that is is uh, centered. Um, and it was just a deal they couldn't pass up. I tried to keep them. and Mississippi people, right people. I want to see that start working in reverse, you know. And I knew they were so good, man. Somebody's going to come in here and poach them eventually, and it and. It wasn't that they were unhappy with our company or our environment. They just, you know, they had this opportunity and they felt like they needed to uh, to capitalize on it. So, but that's what's going to Just waiting your whistle a little bit. You're pretty excited. You, you, you miss the day-to-day adventure a little bit right now? Is, is this home? I do, and I, and I have, you know, since uh, uh, since we sold the company. Um, uh, the, it's an invigorating industry. It's an exciting industry. It's two days are never the same. And a lot of that's uh, driven not just just on the basis of just business activity, but um, just the unbelievable daily innovation and uh, in the technology realm. It, it's just fun. It's fun to be a part of that. It's uh, it's an exciting industry. And most of the people are. Um, it's, it's certainly at the at the sort of um, externally facing aspect of it. They're fired up like I am about it. And when you get, I'm telling you, some of these engineers that may be a little introverted, I'm not certainly saying that they all are, but when you get them at, at the whiteboard talking about some of this mm-hmm. technology, it's unbelievable how they can go to town. And I was blessed to have many of those working in our company. They're the guys that, that uh, really, we used to say that the account managers, uh, they go hook the customer, and it's the, it's the uh, architects and the engineers, the uh, uh, those guys, they come in and they, and they clean them and fry them, essentially, for us. So, <laughs> and, 
we have we had a saying in our industry is that there's no such thing as a two-legged sales call. It's usually an eight to a twelve-legged sales call because you can't put one person in these big enterprises that knows the scope of all that. You got to have multiple people. We were blessed with that. I, I miss that aspect of it. Yeah. Congrats to you guys. Uh, it sounds like an actual an excellent project. I, I've got. I'm going to take five minutes and throw you a curveball. Yeah. I, I saw this come across this morning. Uh, and I know with lottery and different things kind of related to this, you have some some opinions and expertise in this. Is uh, Are we close to online gambling in this state right now? Mobile sports betting. Mobile yeah. sports betting, yeah. Um, so that passed out of committee. You, you probably saw that in the House. It will go to the House floor. Um, I've done a little little temperature gauging down at the Capitol the last few days on, on both sides of the hall. I think there is... Um, I think there's a strong uh, amount of support for this. Yeah, I think we're going to get this. We need to. You probably know we 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 are uh, bordered by Louisiana and Arkansas and Tennessee, all of which have mobile sports betting. Um, and all of those three states also have, of course, the lottery. We came after them. Um, Alabama to our east does not. But I, yeah, I think it's a good thing. This will generate. It's estimated about twenty-five million dollars of revenue for the state. That's not a, a tremendous amount in the scheme of things. Right now, gaming, the gaming tax produces about $250 million. Um, And, of course, you can do it now, but you've got to be on a casino property. It's, right. it's, and this will extend that geofencing to anywhere within the borders of the state. But it's still, um, it, it's still operated by the gaming establishments because it's still regulated through that. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, that was one clarification there is that the, the majority of support is to protect the brick and mortar and to keep it an in-house from the casinos. This doesn't necessarily extend to DraftKings, FanDuel, that type of thing, correct? Or that's right there. Okay. That's that's right. That's exactly right. And I, and I think that's how we're able to get this done. In the past, as you can imagine, the casinos already all, all objected to that. And uh, they're a pretty important part of the Mississippi economy. So, you know, you didn't. You didn't want to go there with that. Um, I, I don't think that would have been beneficial. But I think this is. Now, here's the, the next thing. And, and I'm I'm not talking in official capacity as a board member of the Mississippi Lottery Corporation. But you're probably aware uh, mobile lottery exists as well. Several states have adopted that. Um, it's highly likely, I believe, that we're going to have to consider that too in the state of Mississippi. Now, I will tell you this. That would require change to statute because the statute as it stands right now that established the lottery corporation that was passed in special session in 2018 it expressly prohibits a mobile lottery so that would have to be changed it had to be amended to do so um i've not heard that ever mentioned in a board meeting just to just to let the audience know but just seems like this is coming that probably we're gonna have to deal with Excellent information all the way around. Uh, what are you What are you talking about on the show tomorrow? You got middays with Gerard Gibbard uh, here in, I guess, about twenty hours or so. Well, I haven't seen the guest lineup. I see the guest lineup uh, later on in the day, and 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 honestly, Chase, that's because, as you can imagine, it takes pretty much the day. So we have a content director does a fantastic job mm -hmm. schedules guests for my show and for Mr. Gallup's show earlier in the day. Sometimes it's six, seven o'clock at night before they got that nailed down. Uh, when you got uh, schedules cleared and everybody good to go. But, you know, we've been talking about a combination of what's happening in Washington, what's happening in the state, the ballot initiative process, which passed the House. It's now being considered by the Senate. That's been top of mind for a lot of people. 
Uh, we've been talking about PERS, the Public Employees Retirement System. I have an article discussing that about a month ago. Healthcare in the state of Mississippi is something else that's still on the radar. What might happen there? Um, you know, at the federal level, this immigration thing just really evolved to be the top issue on the minds of Americans. And and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. We had Michael Guest on today discussing that in, in detail. The congressman represents Central Mississippi, the 3rd District. So that's uh, plenty of content for us to talk about right now from the political realm, for sure, as there is in sports. Sure. Of course, yeah, no, it's uh, it's ongoing. We we had plenty of basketball this morning, and we'll see where it goes the uh, the rest of the week. Well, I, hey, I always love talking to you. I appreciate it. as this thing uh, continues. Let's do it again. I appreciate it, Chase. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot.